Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. But today we're talking, talking about praying for one another. So pray for one another is the discipline and practice that, that I want to talk about. I'm going to geek out on you a little bit in part of this because I think it's a a modern-day parable that's useful. But so let's just start here. Pray for one another. Say, pray for one another. Don't we need to be praying for one another, right? And 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 it's difficult these days because if you're on social media, you are inundated with prayer requests, legitimate prayer requests, heavy prayer requests. And it's easy to post the icon. Prayer, heart, pound, boop, got you. I'm going to pray for you. Which emoji? Done. Some of you laughed. Some of you are convicted because that's all the prayer that you do. I've done that. I'm going to pray for you. Here's my prayer hands. What's for lunch? You know, we all do that. And, and this is not a guilt thing. I'm, I'm, that's not the point. I'm not trying to say you better do better. But I'm just saying there's a lot of need out there. And we know the need meter, and we know that God is more than able to do anything, but sometimes people's life experiences don't match the promises in the Word of God, and I want to set the expectation that we're not going to build our doctrine on people's experiences. We're going to build our doctrine on what Christ says is available, on the potential, right? Like when you believe God for something and when you pray, you pray to the level of the highest potential. Where do you get the highest potential? Image, Christ. What he displayed, right? Jesus healed people. You know, so you think about this. You think about Jesus is God. He showed us exactly what God is like. All the way up until Jesus, they didn't know fully who God was. We'd never seen a picture of fully who God was. And this might sound a little bit weird, but even in how some of the stories of, God, of ancient man rec- interacting with God, their perspectives on things make it sound like that God is different than Jesus. I'm not saying the Bible is wrong. I'm not saying we're going to go back and rewrite everything. I'm just saying sometimes their perspectives, you have to understand the true character of God to know what's really going on there. Like we were praying this morning, the children of Israel wandering around in the desert for 40 years. It was about a two-week walk. Had they been prepared in their hearts to be just led straight through into that and receive what God had for them, they could have just walked two weeks right on in, split the Red Sea, two weeks through the desert, split the Jordan right on into the Promised Land, wipe out the giants and be living in homes they didn't build, to be reaping from gardens that they didn't sow, to be eating grapes bigger than their heads, you know, to be getting honey from the rock. Are you with me? To have a relationship with God that wasn't contextualized by a law based on merit. You know, that's a, there's a lot there. I know I said a lot there. but, but it, So if you look at that and you think, well, God was, because of their wicked and deceitful hearts, he withheld from them. But that's not what it says. The explanation is they could not receive that which he was offering to them because of the doubt in their hearts. That is incredible. And so you see a lot of people building their theology based on doubt in the heart rather than the potential. I want to expect the impossible potential to be an option every time I pray. Every time I pray, I want to be stretched so much that there's no room for my doubt left, but what the expectation is, this is impossible, but that's the potential because that's what Jesus paid for. And that's what he did. That's what he showed us. It is impossible to walk on water. It is impossible to feed 10,000 people with two fish and five loaves of bread. That is impossible, but he did it. He didn't have to do that. And you know what he did? He said, you feed them. 
Like he saw what was in front of him. He said, you feed them. He had every expectation for his disciples to be able to do that. That's the potential. That's the hard truth of believing that God is active and believing that we still live in an environment where the gifts are in operation and we can experience the move of the Spirit because we see people die. We see people suffer. We lose people. We see what's going on in Afghanistan. We see the floods. We see the world, and then we think, and it just presses us down. And so then we, then we come up with little things like, well, bless God, you can, you can be free. You can be healed from your terminal cancer right now in this moment if you open your heart and believe and receive from God that which Jesus paid for. Well, you see, brother, you might offend them. Well, probably so. You see, brother, you got to watch out because you don't want to hurt their faith. Because I just look at people that have suffered for so long. I mean, even, even my loved one has suffered for so long. Are you telling me they don't have enough faith? Not, that's not really what I'm saying. I'm not saying they don't have enough faith. I'm saying Jesus is a healer. Why would you pepper in qualifications into that statement? Why would you water down that statement, the reality that God is a healer? He prayed, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Expect the impossible because it is potentially available. And potential is the only variable in potential is us, not God. We come up with all these doctrines of why God isn't doing it and why it didn't happen. I, I, don't, I don't want to live in that realm. I'd rather pray for a thousand people, see one healed and 999 die and still build my doctrine on God's a healer. Amen. So when we develop these spiritual disciplines and practices, especially this one, you know, we got to realize we start, this is a little bit of review, we start from a state of completion. Colossians 2.9, for in Christ... All the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form, and you have been made complete in Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. And I just, you know, I just want us to have this mindset. It's not too late. We can make a difference. So I want to talk about praying for one another. I'm going to run through these quickly. James 5.13. This is, this is instruction of how we are to handle issues within the church. As believers, is anyone, in, is it, are you in trouble? Anybody in trouble? <laughs> I mean, you know, we can, anyway, let me keep going. Uh, is there any, anybody, any, is there any, is anyone among you, see, sometimes I have translations in my mind that I know, and then I'll pick one to preach that I think reads better, and then I stumble on it, right? Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. <laughs> Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Are you happy? Anybody happy? This is what you should do. Sing songs of praise. Is, any, is anyone among you sick? Anybody sick? Do you know sick loved ones? This is what you do. Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. We do that every week. Every week we have people available to pray. Prayer is powerful. Say prayer is powerful. Verse 15, and the prayer offered in faith. The prayer offered in faith. Faith is not what you do to get God to respond to you. Faith is your response to what God has already done in Christ. Faith is your response to who God is. Are you with me? Faith is your response to who God is. Not, boy, I need the, God has it. I know that he has it. I need this. He has it. I need to do some faith to get him to give it to me. That's not faith. That's manipulation. That's a distant God that you're not sure what his will might be. Faith is, somehow I don't understand it, but you've already given it to me. I'm going to stand fully persuaded that the possible is potentially my reality. And I'm going to believe it in the face of anything else 
because that is what Jesus paid for. What is spiritual is true. What is temporary is, is real, but it can change. So we want to offer prayers in faith. Bottom line, persuaded that it's already finished. Persuaded that it's already there in spirit, in seed form, and can manifest unto fruition and override whatever the situation is. Faith is not an expectation of something impossible to happen. Faith is an expectation that heaven reality overrides my reality here because heaven is here, the realm, the kingdom of it. The rule and reign, the authority of heaven is affecting us now, but we tap into it by faith. We tap into it with an expectation of this is what's available to me. And you've all heard the illustration of a bank account. you got a bank account with $10 million in it. does no good to you unless you drive on down there or however you access it and make a withdrawal, right? It's available. Make a withdrawal. Faith makes a withdrawal on what God's already given us. Uh, the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Now, I went and looked up this, this, uh, this phrase here. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. It's interesting because the word forgiven in this usage is, is the application sent away or left or leave. What's being, it's not forgiveness in the sense of if they've sinned, ask God to forgive them and then in that moment he will remit their sin. What he's saying here is when you pray for them, their sin will leave them. In other words, we have the effects of sin in our body which bring about death and sickness. And as you pray for people, the effects of that sin leaves them. Remember how Jesus said, your sins be forgiven you, take up your mat and walk? He was saying your sins are gone from you now. In other words, the effect of sin in your body, death, now that's left you. The sinful lifestyle that you're living, these habitual negative thoughts that you have, this, the, the, what you have reaped in your life because of your habitual sin patterns, the effects of that have left you now. And the effect of sin having left you is healing. The effects of sin are keeping us sick. Not because God's saying you sinned, I'm going to make you sick. You know, it's kind of like you, you put a heavy coat on, you're walking around feeling the weight of it, you take that coat off and, and you're light. You're free from the, the oppression of that heavy coat. That's what sin is. It's a darkness. It's a, it's a, it's a force within us that, that, that contradicts the light of Christ in us. You know, so it's not even necessarily the behavior of sin or the habit of sin, but the effects of that continual walking in a lifestyle that's contrary to God, how it shapes your being, how it shapes your mind and your thinking, and even the physical ramifications on your body of the acts of sin. Are you with me? It's like he said, death has left you. The effects of sin in your body, even the way that you think, it, is, it, it will leave you. When you pray for them, it will leave them. See, because when you think about forgiveness, what do we know about forgiveness? We're already forgiven in Christ. Amen? He was that once and for all time and for all people offering for sin. Now, does that mean you can just sin and get away with it and it doesn't matter? Well, no, this clearly says sin's killing you. I would make you repeat that, but I don't want you to repeat that. <laughs> but sin is killing you. Right now, in this moment, your sin habits are effectuating death in you, whether it be destroying your marriage, your relationships, uh, about to get you fired, affecting your receptivity of God's financial blessing in your life, or even a physical, you know, the outbursts of anger. It, scripture tells us that that rots our bones. Our sin habits are emanating death. But we pray for one another, and it leaves. That's powerful. When Jesus said, you have the power to forgive, you know, people that will receive you, uh, their sins will, you can 
you know, their sin will leave, and if they don't, then their sin remains upon them. He wasn't saying you are determining whether or not they're forgiven by God. He was saying you are determining whether or not your authority can help send their sin away so that they have the option and the opportunity to experience what Jesus is offering. You know, we don't walk around, like, you can't just say you're not forgiven, you're going to hell. Because that's what we think. We think we have, like, we think it's taught, like, we don't actually believe that, but our misunderstanding, that's what we're left with. Are you with me? Like, we read that and we're like, well, I'm not the one determining who goes to hell, but it kind of sounds like that's what it's saying, so I'm confused, I'm just not going to read that one anymore. (laughs) But what it's saying is, you have the capacity to pray for people, and send the effects of their sin away from them. It's, and it, it's, it's really powerful when you can help them understand that they're forgiven and they realize that their sins have been remitted spiritually because of Christ, and then you can help them experience the effects of their sin be, having left them. That's why Jesus would say, now go and sin no more, otherwise it's going to be worse for you. The, those effects will com, come back. All right, we're not finished yet. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. And confess means to say the same thing. What would God say about your sin? He'd say, Jesus already paid for it. I'm not holding it against you, but it's killing you. So stop it. Jesus already paid for it. I'm not holding it against you, but it's killing you. So stop it. (laughs) Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That's what, I, that's what we're, that's what we're going to end on today is this idea. In, in just a minute, we're going to bring the band up, and we're just going to pray. We're just going to pray knowing this. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And oh, by the way, you are righteous. Say, I am righteous. Because God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in him. You are righteous if Jesus is in you. But just real quick, things to remember regarding prayer. Jesus knows what you're going through, okay? Hebrews 4.15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet without sin. He knows what we're going through right? When you pray, God knows what you're going through. He's been there. He's done that. He had COVID on the cross. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you need. Matthew 6, 8, don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you need. And he's willing to help you. Say, Jesus is willing to help me. Matthew 8, 1. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. How many of you were raised in environments where you taught to pray, Lord, if it be thy will? And you weren't quite sure what that will might be. It might be death for you and life for you. It might be disease for you and health for you. It might be you're broke and you're rich. I think the will of God is everything Jesus paid for us to have in this life. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man and said, I am willing. Be clean. Immediately he was cleansed with it. Now, this is talking about healing, but I, but I think this is ap- applicable in everything that Jesus has touched and affected. You know, and I have so many conversations about theology and the true nature of God and the will of God. And if you're saying this, then why not? Then why is this? And I, and I see all the time people come up with rationalities and doctrines based on what they are reading into either experiences even in the Bible or their own personal experiences rather than building their explanations on somewhere in Scripture where we see that particular issue is addressed. There's only two places we see in Scripture in the New Testament where it addresses 
why people didn't experience healing when prayer was administered. Only two times. So in my opinion, my understanding of biblical exegesis, you have to build your understanding of when people pray and it doesn't happen on those two instances. You can't just make up your own ideas because you just think, you just think this. We are given clear answers twice on why didn't it work for them. One, one, <laughs> Jesus was in his hometown, and it says he could not do many miracles except heal a few sick folk. Why? Because they didn't respect his authority. They didn't look at him and say, you are God. You are the son of God. You have the power to do this. They doubted. In short, they doubted who he was. That's one answer. The other answer is the disciples were trying to cast a demon out of a boy. They couldn't do it. The man brought his son to Jesus, and Jesus healed the boy. And the disciples came, and they said, well, why couldn't we do it? And he said, because you're unbelief. Unbelief is the culprit in both of those situations. Unbelief, they couldn't receive from Jesus what he was offering. Unbelief, the power which they had, didn't work for that boy because of their unbelief. And so then what did Jesus say? He said, you want to get this kind of unbelief out of your heart? This kind only comes out but by prayer and fasting. In other words, this kind of unbelief. If you're trying to pray for people and it ain't working, don't blame it on them. Jesus didn't say, well, you know, they're not in a place where they can receive right now. They have too much fear. <laughs> yes, their doubt and unbelief is a factor. I get that because that is what I just said for number one. Are, are you with me? I mean, I, I just want to walk in everything that Jesus has. We have the power to walk in it. Let me, let me keep going. Thank, thankfully, we're recording. All right. So, Jesus knows what you're going through, knows what you need willing to help you, already given you everything you need. 2 Peter 1, 3, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His great, He has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may be a participate, you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. He's given us Everything that pertains unto life and godliness. Wait. I have this in here twice somehow. All right. So, it all comes down to this idea. Mankind has dominion over creation. Now, let me tell you this. So, I, I want to share, because I've, I've cited this before. Um, the, the, this, there was a study done on the effects of meditation the, the effects that meditation had on the crime rate of Washington, D.C. You, you guys, if you're familiar with that, you've heard me mention it. I wanted to make sure that I had the details this time. Now, just so you know, these are like some kind of Maharishi, some kind of weird transcendental meditation people that went and did this, right? I'm not advocating their form of meditation. I'm not advocating their organization. But to me, the bigger picture is this. A group of people got together, set their intention to bring the crime rate down in Washington, D.C., and it worked to the degree that it was at a statistical impossibility that they experienced. So just to cite it, this was the Institute of Science and Technology and Public Policy from the Maharishi International University. Now, I know I lost a lot of people on Maharishi, but you know what? <laughs> in Fairfield, Iowa, USA, and the experiment was done from June, I think like June 7th to July 30th in 1993 for a six-week period in Washington, D.C. They got about 4,000 people together. There was a grant that was funded. 4,000 of these people that meditated and they were prepared and ready to do it came to that town and they put their research in. I, there's, an, there's articles about it. There's several different perspectives of articles that you can read about it. You can read it from the the woo-woo transcendental meditation websites, and you can read it from the medical journalistic websites that give more details. So if you search it, um, 
just know which kind of website you're reading for which details you're looking for. So, and, and in these articles, it lists the statistical probability of them having any kind of effect at all. They told, so they looked, the, the way they came up with that statistic is they looked at five years of the track record of specifically violent crimes in Washington, D.C. So five years prior, they got all, in preparation, they got all that data, they, they researched it, they, you know, they, they came up with their calculations and they say, okay, well, the crime rate fluctuates like this. From year to year, it goes up. Maybe it goes down a little bit here, but these are statistic, these are the margins that it might fluctuate. A couple of percent here, a couple percent there. Let's just see what happens, you know. So they had their test data ready. Then they went and conducted the experiment and they ran their, they came up with their results. They told the chief of police in that area ahead of time, and they made fun of them. There's a quote, famous quote that the chief of police or whatever his office is, he said, he said, we're more likely to get 20 inches of snow in Washington, D.C. than we are to see a 20% fluctuation in crime, much less lower from June to July because the crime rate goes up at that time. It's warmer. Criminals like warm weather, I guess, you know. <laughs> uh, so the, the other point is they hoped to get about a 20% change. Well, guess what happened? They meditated. They specifically would do it twice a day. During, throughout the day, it would total about either two and a half hours to four hours, so a lot. Now, they're not praying to anybody. What they did was all 4,000 of them twice a day for six weeks would meditate, and the focus of their meditation was on the brain waves of the people in Washington, D.C., that, that their meditation would affect the brain waves of the people, specifically the brain waves associated with violent crime, that those would decrease, and their hope was to see a 20% decrease in crime in that period of time. Now, they saw like a 23.3% decrease in violent crime in that period of time. Their results showed, there's, I think it's like 10 to the 7th power maybe, basically impossible that the crime rate would fluctuate by 20%. That is very dramatic. You might see one, two, maybe 5%. A 5% fluctuation in crime would be very noticeable. We're talking over 20%, almost 25%. In some weeks, there, were 20, there was a 26% difference. So why am I talking about this? To me, this teaches us, I think this is a modern-day parable, that mankind has dominion over creation. Now, was meditation controlling the criminals? No. But what they were doing and putting toward Washington, D.C. was affecting the energetics and the, the electroactivity of the brain, electromagnetic activity of the people's brains in that community where the effect was they were less violent. Now, you can take what you want and do whatever you want with that study. To me, it's real, it's measurable, it happened, and it shows me Humans can affect the world. Pretty much bottom line. So, uh, they just to have these points, they lowered the crime rate in Washington, D.C. Mankind has dominion over creation. Now, this is what I feel like God showed me out of this. A righteous person, because remember the righteous prayer, or the, the, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. A righteous person has the authority to enforce heaven's will. So general humans have dominion over the planet. In other words, what we do affects the planet, energetically and by direct cause and effect, right? They didn't do anything. There was no action. There was no physical cause and no physical effect or result. It was they sat in their hotel rooms and thought about the crime rate dropping, and it did. Now, think about us doing that over our city, over your household, 
over Afghanistan. I mean, think about, think about it for just a minute. Not, not see, because we think of prayer in terms of God, you're up there. Afghanistan is over there. You see those people. God, please go help them. Like that's kind of our prayers in a nutshell a lot of times. Oh God, I, I pray that you would reveal to these people their darkness and show them your light. Well, you're asking him to do something. And I don't, I'm not trying to say don't ask him to do things. In my mind, it's, Father, I thank you that we have an impact in this earth, and I speak directly to those people in Afghanistan to, to eradicate darkness from your lives and see the light of Christ. Father, I reveal the light of Christ in that area. Father, I thank you that come, people are coming to know you, that your presence is in that area, and your presence is effective and active. And that, you know, there's, to me, I'm not asking God to get up off his throne and go do something. Even if I'm going to pray for you, I'm not asking for God to come and do something. I'm taking responsibility for the authority that he has given me. Why? Because I see that a bunch of transcendental meditationists can affect crime rate. They don't even believe in Jesus. So humans just affect things. If I am also endued with the authority of heaven, man... We should be so radically different on this planet than what the world sees about their own efforts. Christians should be so ridiculously powerful on this planet. Why aren't we? I think it's because our beliefs are watered down by our experiences. I mean, I really do. I want to stretch myself where if you don't believe in miracles, you think that I'm one step away from going to hell. Meaning the YouTube comments and the emails that come in about, well, brother, you're in doctrinal error. Because uh, Anyway, let me forget all about that. <laughs> I mean, I just want to take Jesus at his word. Can I, can I give you a little bit more? Cause, so so I, I, I say these things not because I'm trying to teach you science, because I'm not a scientist, I barely understand the stuff. I read these quantum, uh, you know, theory experiments and and try to understand what this unified field theory is and all the and and th and that's that stuff's like 50 years old or older, you know, much less the stuff that's happening now. So to me, I want to read that stuff not to try to understand the science of it, although the science is cool. I want to understand it for, as if it's a modern day parable. So in other words, you know. We're told that you can under so that the things uh, that are not seen are clearly understood by the things that are seen. W what is that? What, somebody help me out with that passage. It's in Corinthians somewhere, I think. We can un we can clearly understand the things that are unseen by the things which are seen. So for me. I look at this quantum stuff, the quantum experiments, which ultimately the conclusions are this. Humans, just by mere observation, affect how matter works, even to the level where impossibilities seem to happen, right? I'm not going to go into those experiments, but one that I wanted to touch on today is this idea of quantum entanglement. Now, again, somebody could probably explain it a lot better than I can, but I do know that there was an experiment done on elements or even just molecules, in this case DNA, being quantumly entangled where they're still connected even at remote distances, right? So, so imagine this. Imagine if, you know, I had this water bottle here and I shine a really hot light on it, right? And then I take half of this water, put it in another water bottle, and go, you know, 100 yards over there in the dark, and the water there also heats up as this particular bottle is being heated up. Now, that's not necessarily the experiment that they did, but that's the effect of the experiment. In other words, they took human DNA, removed it from the person, and this isn't necessarily a quantum entanglement. They've done other things like this, but what I'm trying to display is there's a field an invisible field that seems to connect things, where even things that are separated are still connected somehow. 
They affected the human DNA. In other words, they would affect the person. So that take a swab out of the mouth, watch the, how the DNA results or responds to either stimulus of fear or joy or whatever, and the DNA would respond as the person is responding to the stimulus. The DNA from their mouth removed from them, I forget how far, pretty far, it responded instantaneously as well. Why? Something is still keeping them connected. So they developed the unified field theory. Why am I bringing that up? Afghanistan seems like a really, really far away, but there's something connecting us, especially those of us that have the spirit of the living God inside of us. The spirit of God inside those people over there in Afghanistan, we are connected with. I, I see a spectrum of life that the spirit is entwined in all of it. And if we make if we tap into the spirit here, it's the same spirit that's there, and it's not, it's it's actually the same connected spirit. You pray here in spirit, it affects spirit, the realm around where spirit is there. Are you with me? So we're not praying, God, you're disconnected from me. They are disconnected from me. Would you please go over there and do something to those people over there? No. We are one. We are unified. We are connected with God. And as we speak, I don't care the distance, it's effective. Powerful and effective. So as you pray right now, according to the will of the Spirit of God that is within you, it becomes powerful and effective. So think about that word effective for a minute. It begins to have an effect. The spirit that is within you, that you are praying the will of God, it has an effect. What is that effect? I don't know that we can control that effect. I don't know that we try to command angels or make things happen, but we just believe. You know, I think about, well, that was really, just believe. That's a good one. Uh, well, I think about the Roman centurion, Luke 7, Matthew 8, I think John 10, the story of the Roman centurion. Uh, you know, a Roman soldier came to Jesus and said, my servant is sick, he's in pain, he's paralyzed. Would you pray for him? And Jesus says, I'll go with him and I'll go with you and heal him. And the guy says, no, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house, but I understand authority. His example was, I tell people to go and they go and they do it. He said, so I, he didn't say this, but what he's saying is I recognize that you have authority over sickness. And what does he say? He says, if you would just make the declaration. Right. If you would just say the word, if you just speak the word. Now, I don't like necessarily using that phrase because of the kind of religiosity that we've built up. We'll just speak the word. And we just, so we think that means quote scripture. And, and it can mean that. But what he's saying is, send a decree out of your authority, Jesus. Speak the end of what I'm requesting into the life of this person that is sick, right? So the word is not quote a scripture. You did, Jesus didn't quote scripture. What did he do? He said, so as you have believed, so be it done unto you. As you have believed, so will it be. As you have believed, so will it be. And then what happened? The guy was healed. That's what we're talking about here. Why? You know, did the, did the Holy Spirit come down out of heaven and run over and heal that guy? You know, th these are the parts that we don't have to try to figure out all this stuff, but there was some type of connection. Remotely, Jesus had power. I think it's because of the spirit that intertwines all of us. You know, we, we, we are... Filled with that spirit. You know, so, so when we talk about the baptism of the spirit, once you have the spirit of God inside of you, you have God inside of you. You have, you have access to all that God is. You're going to tell me that there's another time that God's going to give you more of himself? How? No, you're connected. Now, you might not be yielding to that power that is within you, Right? You might need to be filled or come under the influence of that spirit, but that's what we need to do. So, how do we pray? Well, obviously, the most effective way is just pray in tongues. Pray with your spirit 
in an unknown language. That's what you're doing. You're praying with your spirit in an unknown language. And I think what we're doing is we're mirroring, mirroring what Jesus would. Now, can Jesus go over there and do whatever he wants to? Of course he can. But what do we see happening? It's, it's spiritual encounters that we're seeing. How many, of you, how many of you have heard of spiritual encounters that people are having over there? In other words, a Muslim in that area has a dream, sees a man in a bright robe, has a book in his hand, and says, go find so-and-so and read this book. Or a man says, I am Jesus, learn of me. Or Jesus appears, and that person experiences something from them. You ever heard of those stories? There's a lot of those kind of stories out there. And I think we're going to hear more and more and more of those. You know, so, so why doesn't Jesus just do that for everybody? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't even know if we knew that we would go, oh, now I get it. Maybe we would. I'm not even trying to figure that stuff out. What I do know is a righteous person has authority to, infest, to enforce heaven's will. And this, where is it? The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Because of all that stuff and these examples, we come down to the one conclusion. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Well, why doesn't it happen? Don't, don't, don't care. How does it happen? I don't care. I mean, all that stuff is interesting to me. And it adds to my understanding, but, but even if I didn't know it, I don't care. What I do care is that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And because we're righteous, we need to be praying powerfully so that it is effective. Amen? So I just want to take some time to pray. Now, we're not, this is not the time where we're going to whip ourselves up into a charismatic Holy Ghost Pentecostal frenzy. Now, you get your passions stirred up, that's fine. You get loud when you pray, that's fine. You know, are you with me? I think a lot of charismatics actually mistake endorphins for the Holy Spirit. You can start rocking. Did you know that, that when you rock like this? It, it, the way, I, it, I forget, I think the, the sympathetic nervous system, it takes you out of the fight or flight mode and it starts to produce hormones within you that create a sense of euphoria. You see a lot of charismatics doing this. You ever seen them? Now, are they faking the Holy Ghost experience? No. I think they're just, that's just a physiological thing that you can do that starts to uh, bring you into agreement with a spiritual reality at the same time. But I think a lot of charismatics are sitting there doing this, going, oh, there comes the Holy Ghost, you know. <laughs> you laugh because it's true. I mean, I, I want to demystify all this, all this nutty mystical stuff that we do, not to make fun of those people, but to help you realize you don't have to fake it to be, have spiritual encounters. That's what the world is looking for. The wor all, this, all this resurgence in psychedelics, I forget, is it Oregon, legalized mushrooms, psychedelic mushrooms? You're seeing a lot of highly reputable people talk about the use of uh, ayahuasca and DMT because of the spiritual encounters that people are having with another dimension. And it's like, man, I'm telling you what, I pray for an audience with those kind of people because I've done been there, done that. And I know how to talk to them about what's really going on there. You know, you can, let me just say, you, there's people going to watch this right now. You're, you're smoking pot, you're using acid, you're thinking about it, you're wanting to have these mystical experiences, maybe you're even a believer. Let me just tell you, what you're doing is you're fabricating a mystical experience, a, super, a spiritual experience for one thing. Yes, you are opening yourself to be more aware of spirit, but there's also a great darkness that comes along with that. You want to have encounters with the spirit of God that are, of light that, that are peaceful, rooted in his truth, and, and aren't fabricated through uh, pharmacology, no matter how organic or natural the substance. Are you with me? Yes. 
So let's pray. Amen. Let's pray. That the band is going to come up. Now, if you need to go, um, that's, you know, I realize people got places to go, things to do. I think let's uh, also bring the kids in here, man. You got me. You might, you might actually need to turn this up in the live stream. I don't know if you did last week. I remember people saying they couldn't hear. So I just want to pray. And also those, those of you that are on the prayer team, um, if you need prayer, come up and we'll pray for you. But I, I want to pray for what's going on in the world. In fact, um, where's Bethany? Bethany, would you go get the kids? Are y'all okay with the kids being in here with this? That might mean some of them are running around a little bit, but I just think it's important that they participate in this. I think it's important that they see it. You, you can move this if you want to get it out of the way. So let's do that. And I've asked a couple of people, where'd Mike go? Is Mike all right? I saw him taking some deep breaths over there. Is he good? All right. Let's pray for him. Father, we thank you for Mike back there. I don't, I don't know what's going on with him, but he's just experiencing you, and we just speak life into him. Father, thank you. You know, so, so hey, uh, Judy, would you actually prop that door open so that the, when the kids come in, they can just slide on in? If you want to stand up with us, you can. These guys are kind of going to flow a little bit in worship, and we're going to pray. I've asked some people, Glenn, maybe you can kind of start us off, ask if Courtney's got something. And then, and then you also, again, if you need to go, love you, slide on out. Um, but if you want to stay, and let's pray. And let's just believe that we can actually change things. Amen? Let's believe that because we are righteous, as we pray, it's powerful and effective. Amen? Father, we thank you. You know, first and foremost, let me just say, just just relax for a minute, okay? Just take a deep breath. <sighs> relax. We're not trying to work something up in our flesh. You know, we're not going to fervently, you know, you ever feel that way? It's like, okay, I'm going to prowl for prayer. I got to live like you're, you know, like you're having a bowel movement or something like that. You know, we're not, we're not trying to squeeze the spirit out. What we're trying to do is just experience what is already within us. We're just trying to flow with the spirit. I mean, that's what it feels like sometimes. I, I want to let all that nuttiness go and just, just peaceful, joyful. If there's passion with it, praise God. But we're not trying to work something up. Father, we just recognize you. We recognize your kingdom. You are Lord of all creation. You are not worried. You are the preeminent God. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. You are above all of creation. You are sovereign even over death. You have authority and power over everything, and we recognize you. We recognize you for who you are, and as you manifested yourself in human form, Jesus, as a son of your kingdom, Jesus, we thank you for the salvation that we have in you. We thank you for raising us up with you and seating us in heavenly places with you in a place of authority. We are not limited to this physical realm. We are not defined by this physical realm the realities that we can experience, the potential of life, quality of life that we can experience is not limited by our circumstances. It is only limited by our own belief, but the potential is thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Father, we just, that, that's our mindset. Our mindset is that we are in that heavenly realm. We are in that eternal spiritual dimension in spirit, and we pray from that place. So Father, I thank you that even in this place, as we become aware of your spirit, that you move among us. Your spirit is alive and active. You are moving with us and you are speaking to our minds. You are giving wisdom to our hearts. You are giving life to our physical bodies, every single cell being energized by your spirit. Father, we just trust you. Just tell him you trust him. And if you find yourself flipping over into carnality, thinking, How's it work? I don't understand. I got to make it happen. Just rest. Rest. Just say, I will rest in your spirit, Lord. I will rest in your spirit, but I will actively believe. My faith is tapping into that spirit right now. Father, even in this moment, I set my intention and my attention toward Afghanistan. Father, we hear the stories. We see the pictures. Uh, those of us that are watching online, as you pray with us in, as well, 
If you pray with your spirit, just begin to speak in tongues. Those of you even that are watching online, if you don't do that, just ask God to help you with that. and Just try it. Just speak it out because we are unifying as the body of Christ. And I know that there are other ministries and there are other churches out there right now. And we are coming together as one body, as one uh, body of Christ, as one church, blanketing the entire earth to emanate your spirit, Lord, to have an effect in the world. All the things that we don't even know are happening as your spirit manifests, Lord, we agree with you. We speak life over Afghanistan. Father, I thank you that your believers in that country are being emboldened right now. I pray that as we pray, that those people who carry your presence and carry your spirit are feeling the effects of the spirit inside of them. Father, we come behind them and we lift them up and we are for them and we speak encouragement to those believers, Father. I thank you that you are giving them wisdom and you are leading them and guiding them as they are stepping into life-threatening situations. Father, especially the women, the culture of oppression that is being set back up again, we just speak against that darkness. We speak against the darkness of deception in that land, in that religion. Father, we just we shine a light on darkness that people see the truth. Father, we just shine a light on the darkness, and we thank you that your light is illuminating so that truth can be grasped and held and understood and perceived. Father, I thank you that miracles are just manifesting out of your spirit, not just supernatural healing, but miracles of wisdom, miracles of protection, miracles of guidance, miracles of provision. Father, even the enemies, even your enemies in that land, those who have bought into a demonic religion, those who have bought into darkness and oppressive society, I speak even to their minds. We set our attention on those people that are deceived, people that we might even call evil, that you love, Lord Jesus, that you died for those people. Father, I thank you that even those people that, that wish death to America and death to all those that do not convert, Father, we think about them we, specifically in this moment that your light and your life is shed abroad upon them, that they begin to see and experience and feel the effects of the kingdom. And they may not even know, but Father, I just see, I see them laying their guns down. And I see them responding to your spirit and saying, I don't understand this, I'm confused, but I know something's different. And, and they're being called to you. We agree with you, Jesus, as you are in that land and as your people are in that land moving around. We call them to you, Father. We just thank you. We pray out of our position. We pray out of our authority. We speak. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we will continue. We will continue to pray powerful and effective prayers, knowing, Jesus, that you paid for it. And we just agree with you in your spirit. Amen, amen, amen. And as Glenn prays, if anybody else has anything on your heart, if you want to come up and pray as well, this will be open mic today. And we just be the body. Amen. Father, I'm just reminded in Romans 1, uh, verse 19 and 20, you said that uh, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for you have showed it to them. And for the invisible things of, of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his, his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So, Father, thank you uh, this morning that we can agree together and thank you that you've revealed yourself to people all over the world afghanistan other countries where there might they might be bent on hatred or you know things of the enemy lord we just we thank you that you have revealed yourself to them and you will continue to because we agree today we agree this morning as clint was praying we agree for for them we also agree for us we agree against the coronavirus, Lord, wherever it is and whatever manifestation it chooses to. to we, we just agree that, Lord, that the God inside of us, you inside of us, Lord, the power inside of us would rise up today, Lord, and we would walk in all that you have given us already. That we would say no, Lord. We would say no. Lord, we would, we would rise up. We would see your healing power because it's inside of us. And, Lord, that all Christians would understand, Lord, what you paid for, what you have 
acquired for us what you've already done. It's finished. And we would take hold of it, Lord, and we would believe it. And we would move, and regardless of it, we'd act, we'd speak, we'd think, we'd believe. All of that would be just transformed because you were inside of us. So, Lord, we stand in agreement. We thank you for all these things in science even that confirm you. It confirms your word. You know, and there's so many things that talk about it. I mean, you said, speak to the mountain, tell it to move. In all things, whatever you ask for in prayer, believing you shall receive. You've done all this for us, Lord. And we worship you this morning. We agree together. We thank you that we have dominion over this earth. You've given it to us. The spirit of Jesus inside of us rules through us. The kingdom now today ruling through his people. And we come in agreement. Thank you for the powerful testimonies. Thank you. We're going to hear testimonies even from this moment on or before this whole day on. Testimonies of your power to transform lives and touch healing, saving, delivering, setting free today in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Uh, Jeremiah 29 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. This is part of God's will for us, that he wants good for us. His will is good. It is not wicked. It is not dark. It is good for us. He wishes all to be saved. And on that, I pray that pray for God's will in our lives, that we pray for God's will on this earth as it is in heaven. This I pray, amen. Linda, you got something back there? Yeah. No, okay. Hey, Travis, turn, turn this mic up just a little bit. Anybody else? Just take our time. No rush. body that are experiencing sickness and have loved ones in their family, have loved ones experiencing sickness. We just speak life. Those that are watching online right now and that will even watch afterward, we just speak life. Just breathe deep and recognize the Spirit of God is giving you life by the power of the Spirit, by the power of Jesus, because He's paid for it already. Yeah, I just want to pray for the persecuted church at large all around the globe, not just in Afghanistan. It says in the word that if we ask, we shall receive. And one thing I think is asking according to his will is, God, we're asking that you give us your heart completely, totally surrendered, a heart that loves our brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord. So we just thank you for a sensitivity. We just thank you for a softness in our heart, God, as we experience your love, God, so that that we could um, so that we could be vessels that are moved with compassion, just like Jesus with groaning, Lord. So, God, we just thank you that it's not it's not an unhealthy burden, but it's a burden for the for for the blessing to our brothers and sisters in Christ. So, Lord, we just thank you. We just thank you for your heart, Lord. God, we just thank you for our brothers and sisters and the persecuted church, Lord. We just thank you, God, there is such a strength and encouragement, God. We just thank you that there's such an awareness of who you are, God. God, we just thank you that you overcame death, God. You overcame the sting of death, Lord. We just thank you, God, that there is victory and there is joy in, in your presence, Lord. God, we just thank you that there is boldness and confidence God, not to doubt, not to waver, God, but to stand in your truth in the midst of adversity and trouble. Just like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, God, I thank you that there would be, um, God, I thank you that you're raising up believers, God, to stand just like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, that they would not bow the knee to fear. They would not bow the knee to death, God, but they would be empowered by the fullness of your spirit, by the living God has, who's our warrior, who's our, who's our conqueror, God, that you go before us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. 
thank you that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to the sons and daughters of the living God. Thank you that your word is in us to proclaim your truth as it is in heaven, so it will be on earth, Lord. God, we thank you that the people that are coming to persecute the church, God, that just how Saul was blinded by light and he encountered Jesus, God, I thank you that they would encounter Jesus. The radicals would encounter Jesus. Encounter the love of God, God. We speak it forth. We declare it. That the goodness of God is what brings men unto repentance, God. So we thank you that goodness, your goodness would just overflow, God. God, through your body, through us believing in who you are and we just declare it in jesus mighty name amen God, that He has given us power. Amen. Come on, let's hear it. Thank you that He given He shared hearts to us. Thank and thank you, God, that that He has given us all of His joy and put it in our hearts. Amen. 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 Hayden, did you have something? Come on. No. Okay. Who else got something on your heart? Just even small, short. We were watching a show last night, and um, one of the guys said that the Hebrew word for forward was uh, kadima, and it got me thinking about the word forward, you know, not just because it's the name of our church, but forward is, uh, is motion, it's action, and... Uh, it, it got me thinking about the story about Peter when he steps out of the boat. He's, he's looking forward and he's moving forward because he's looking at Christ. And it's not until he starts looking at the things around him, the circumstances, the physical things that are happening around him, the waves, the wind. Once he looks at that, that's when he stops moving forward and he starts to sink. So he defies the impossible when he keeps his eyes on Christ, when he's moving forward. And that's my prayer for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan right now, is that no matter what's going on beside them, around them, that they keep their eyes on Christ and they move forward and they're able to defy the impossible. And it's easy for us to say, because we get to go eat lunch, we get to go home, we get to enjoy our houses, but that's the prayer for our brothers and sisters is that they are able to keep their eyes on Christ. Where my where my ladies at? There's women. I knew you had some. <laughs> there, we need to hear women speaking toward to the women in that in that region, speaking life over them. So they're they're going to get it the hardest. So what I feel like the Lord wants us to do is um, take. The, the burdens that we carry are really heavy sometimes. And so imagine those burdens, whether it be a physical, um, financial, a relationship, whatever that is. And just close your eyes and just go, okay, God, I laid this at your feet. Because your yoke is light and mine is heavy. So I give it to you. And I ask, Father, I want each of you to ask, because each of your situations is different. But, Father, what do you want to be for these people at this time? Reveal it to them. Do you want to be their healer, their provider, their protector? I speak that over the ladies right now in Afghanistan. Lord, be their protector in this moment. 
their healer, their deliverer out of those situations. But for each and every one of us here, like, Lord, what is it that you want to be for us? And so as we lay our burden at his feet, Father, as we lay it at your feet, what is it, Father, you have for us in return? Show us what it is. Just imagine that gift that he's given you. You know, how big a package might be a little tiny one, but powerful. Unwrap it. Receive it. Repeat after me. I choose, Father, to give you this burden. And in return, I, re I choose to receive what you have for me. I thank you for that, Father, for you are so good. You are a mighty and powerful God. You are everything. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Anybody else? comments online as well. Um, Philippians 1.6 states that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it till the end of the age. The good work in Afghanistan is not done. It's not finished. The women and children, I declare a hedge of protection over them. Lord, they need to know who you are. They need to know what you have done for them. Lord, I... Speak vision of who you are. A hedge of protection over them, Lord. You're not done with these women and children, Lord. You're not done with the Afghanistan people. You're not done in here in America either, Lord. Lord, I pray for our service men and women that are fighting, that will continue to fight for our country, for what we believe in, because freedom reigns with you, Father. In your precious holy name I pray. Amen. Yeah, Father, we lift up the servicemen and women that have been hung out to dry over there, whatever is actually really going on. Father, we thank you for protection for the Americans, for everybody, but specifically as Americans, we think about the Americans that have been stranded, people that are fighting right now to try to get to the airport to get out of there, Father, just the whole mess that's going on over there. We thank you that you are with them and you are leading them and guiding them and protecting them.